Well, once again, thank you so much to all of those who were helped, uh, helped to put our worship service together. For John Sticknoth, who is our um, liturgist this morning, for our Wesley Choir and Praise Team who lead our music, uh, for Gary Brubaker, who puts all of our music together. And there's been a lot of additional and new music that we've done this uh, for this series. So thank you so much um, to all of the, the work that's been put in. We're in our series called Angels Among Us, um, uh, which was written by Marcia McPhee. Um, to talk about uh, these angels um, of, the, of the story. And of course, the season of Advent is the season of waiting, preparing for Jesus to be born, uh, not just in the past, but how Jesus is being born today and, and how Jesus will come again. Now, waiting can seem really passive, um, and you're not really in control, but this, this waiting of Advent isn't a passive waiting. It's actively waiting and preparing for Jesus. We do this in so many ways. Sometimes it's through decorating and through cookie baking and through shopping and wrapping and bows. And sometimes it's through spreading more love, more hope, more peace, and more joy. Now, throughout the story, uh, angels bring messages to the people of the work that they're being called into to prepare for Jesus. So we'll look at the messages that the angels bring and how they also invite us into the story to share a message as well. We'll look at the messages of more hope, more love, more peace, more joy, and less fear. This morning, more peace. Would you pray with me? Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, last week um, we uh, had feathers that maybe you received either in church or you had your own um, uh, feathers to help remind you of hope this week. Now, um, it was even just on Monday morning, I heard stories from several folks who had their feathers already. Um, I heard um, from one who brought their feather with them uh, as they were having surgery to help remind them to be calm and have more hope. Um, there was uh, someone who had a family member across the country also received a feather and they were able to share together their different experiences of the same stories. Um, one person said that they were just feeling really overwhelmed and angry and they found their feather in their pocket and then to took a few extra breaths before responding. Someone else said that they brought their fe feather to a friend who was grieving. Now, these were all signs of hope for the people who shared their stories. And they were really signs of hope for me too. I hope that they're signs of hope for you as well. And so I hope that um, even if you didn't have or need your feather, I hope that you still found hope. I hope. More hope. Well, we're going to talk about more peace today, um, and uh, we're going to talk about the story of Mary. Now, <clears throat> there are these two annunciations um, in the Christmas story, the announcement of John the Baptist to Zechariah and Elizabeth, and the announcement of Jesus to Mary. This week, we'll talk about Mary, um, and then next week, we'll talk about Joseph. Um, and in both of these stories, um, these uh, announcements are made by angels, and there are two very different reactions. Um, of course, the angels say, do not be afraid, um, probably because they were frightening. Um, and also these messages are frightening. Um, but there were two really very distinct reactions. 
Now, Mary, when she hears this message from the angel saying, um, you're going to have a baby, uh, it's going to be God's child, um, Mary's like, sure, sounds good. Um, actually, what she says is, let it be with me according to your will. Now, she pondered it for a little while, but she said, let it be with me according to your will. But then there's the story with Zechariah, which we heard last week, um, and Zechariah says, but that's not possible. Um, so I think that with Mary, we have this, this acceptance, um, a response of acceptance. And of course, with Zechariah, it's a response of denial. So let's talk about who Mary is first. Mary was engaged to Joseph, who was a carpenter. Now, this meant that he was probably not among the wealthiest of people. Neither was Mary. Um, and Mary was probably younger. Um, she was about the age of childbearing, um, which was about the age that they got married. So it may have been anywhere between 11 and maybe 20s at the very latest. Um, but most often, women were married younger um, because they were able to have children. Now, Mary um, came from Nazareth, which is um, not exactly the richest area. Uh, sometimes it was called the bad side of the tracks. Um, there are other places in the gospel where, um, where Jesus is asked, can anything good come from Nazareth? And that's not like a sarcastic or witty question. Um, it was truly a question, can anything good come from such an awful place? So Mary um, is engaged to be married to a carpenter in a place that's close to the bottom socioeconomically. And this angel comes to Mary and tells her she's been chosen to carry God's child. So Mary had a lot to ponder. I mean, just what would you ponder if an angel came to you and said, oh, blessed one, you are highly favored. Oh, first, don't be afraid. You're going to have God's baby. How, what would you ponder? What would you think? Now, in Luke's gospel, Mary ponders about everything. Something significant happens, and Mary ponders all these things in her hearts. Me? Really? Why me? I mean, if you were the mother of God, wouldn't you have a lot to ponder as well? And it also seems like, why would this be something that you might hesitate with? This is such a, I guess, a gift and an honor and that God is coming to you. And why would you hesitate? Well, there's a lot of practical reasons why Mary hesitated. Because she wasn't married. Um, being pregnant and unmarried was an offense punishable by death. Now, facing death might give one room to ponder. Mary asks some questions of the angels to get some clarification and understanding of what's happening, but ultimately she said, let it be with me according to your will. Let it be, let it be, let it be. I, we don't have the rights for that, but um, you know the song from the Beatles? Well, Mary's response isn't just something that the Beatles sang. Let it be with me according to your will. What would the world be like if more of us said that? When God calls to us and we said, let it be with me. Now, whenever something comes up, um, there's always that elusive someone. You've met the elusive someone. You know, someone should take care of that. 
Someone should do that. Someone needs to say something. Now, what if that someone was ourselves? Let it be with me according to your will. Now, after Mary ponders this question and this opportunity and says, let it be, she sings this song of gratitude, which is called the Magnificat. The verb tenses move from the past to the present to the future, talking about what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. The lowly are lifted up. Those who are the most unexpected and the least favored are the ones who seem to be the most favored in God's eyes. Mary herself, one of the most lowly people, and she's carrying God's son. Let it be with me according to your will. Now, the world that Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph found themselves in was, well, it was anything but peaceful. Uh, they were under Roman rule, which in the Roman rule, what that meant was Rome would come into a place and they would say, you are under our rule, um, we'll bring you peace. And if you don't believe it, um, if, you don't, if you cross us, we're going to kill you. So, but we come in peace, right? We come in peace, but we might kill you at any moment. Um, now, in that kind of an environment, there's certainly a lot of fear to be had and shared. And in that kind of moment, you're definitely hoping and looking for real peace. Not that fake peace, but real peace. And for Mary and Joseph and Zechariah and Elizabeth and the people at that time, they were waiting for a Messiah, a, cra a craving for the Messiah, the one who would bring this hope, peace, love, and joy. And this peace that this Messiah would bring, we often think about it as, you know, just a lack of hostility, that there's no violence, that it's just this lack of hostility, but, but it's actually more than that. This peace or shalom is one that promotes the general welfare of all the people. It doesn't take advantage of anyone. Everyone has the opportunity to flourish. Everyone, and there are no exceptions to that. This Messiah brings justice for all people. This peace, this peace isn't, you know, isn't fake. This is real and this is deep. And this kind of peace is also really subversive, even dangerous. It's dangerous because it challenges everything that we know and says that God's order is different than what we know. The last shall be first. No more violence and no more weapons of violence. Swords are beaten into plowshares. Forgiveness is offered freely and regularly. There is generous sharing. No one has too much and everyone has enough. There is humility. There's power and vulnerability. I mean, I think, again, we often think of peace as everyone is nice and gets along, but it's so much more than that. It's economic justice. It's social justice. It is world-changing. It is God's dream. Let there be peace on earth, and let it be with me according to your will. Now, Mary took incredible risks and leaps of faith. Mary faced death, rejection, alienation, and suffering to let it be. 
What would it look like if we all had the faith of Mary? What would it look like if we put aside our own comforts, our own lives to follow God? Let it be with me according to your will. Is there something that you have been saying, someone should take care of that? Someone should ask that person what they need. Someone should say that they're sorry. Someone should do something about that. Let it be with me according to your will. Can you imagine if Jesus had said, yeah, someone should do something about that? Or if God had said, yeah, someone should teach those people how to love one another. Or if Mary had said to the angel, that's a great idea. Someone should do that. Let it be with me according to your will. What is that something that someone should take care of? Maybe it's kept you up at night. Maybe it's woken you up in the morning. Maybe it's something that has burdened your heart and your mind. Someone should do something about that. What if you're that someone? What if you're being called to do something? Oh, but I can't. Ah, I'm God. Let it be with me according to your will. Let peace begin with you. Things don't have to be picture perfect. It doesn't make Christmas any less real, any less hopeful, any less joyful, any less peaceful, any less loving. In fact, it might make it a little bit more. Richard Rohr, who is a Franciscan priest, says, God comes to us disguised as our life. God doesn't meet us when things are picture picture perfect. God meets us in the middle of wherever we are, in the mess, in the muck, in the mud, wherever we are, God comes to us disguised as our life. Let it be with me according to your will. In this story, Marcia McPhee reminds us that Elizabeth prophesied at the sight of Mary. So Elizabeth became a messenger as well. So we have the angel and also Elizabeth as this messenger. The Annunciation story is told for emphasis. We're called to tell this story again and again and again of the holy born as a human in this world because it contains with it all that it assures us of God's presence among humanity, all of humanity. Mary sings the same in her song in the Magnificat. And so Mary becomes a messenger as well, offering the song of justice and peace on earth, accomplished when the oppressed are lifted up. There's the angels of the story, and there's the messengers of the story, who are the angels and Elizabeth and Mary, and us as we proclaim this story, this story of peace. One of my favorite places to be at Christmas time is um, underneath the Christmas tree. And I love to just lay there and look up at the lights and the ornaments to see the things peeking through the branches. Um, I don't know why it became my favorite spot, um, but it is. And every year um, I have pictures of my nieces and nephew uh, with me underneath the tree. 
and we have these moments of peace. Sometimes we talk about what we see in the ornaments or the lights. Um, One year, I think my nephew told me that I was not allowed to touch the tree, but he could. We have conversations about what we're excited about for Christmas. There are these moments of peace. And even when I'm underneath the tree by myself, it's this moment sometimes to just recollect myself and be ready to face the world again. This week, there are angel wing ornaments for you to take, and maybe you hang them on your tree. You can contact our church office to receive one. Now, if you don't have a Christmas tree or you're not putting one up this year, you could hang it on a cabinet um, or in your car. Or maybe you need to give it to a friend who might need to be reminded of peace, that you become the messenger of peace. Let peace begin with me. May we, be, may we accept the invitation to be a part of the story that God is telling. Let it be with me according to your will. Do not be afraid. Thanks be to God. Amen.